Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is your host, Martha. In this episode, Shada and I do end up talking about abuse. So this is a content warning for that topic. You know yourself. uh, Listen as you are able. Also, I usually make episodes that nannies can listen to around their children, but for this one, I would recommend maybe listening to it yourself before sharing with little ears. Um, You know your kids the best, so you can make the call, but I just wanted to let you know up front that we do end up talking about a few different types of abuse, so there is that warning for you. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thanks for listening. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking about teaching bodily autonomy and consent to kids. And to do that, I have brought on Shada Lambert, also known as Nanny Shars. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm, I, it will not be the last if I have anything to do with it. So, 1000%. <laughs> um, yes. So, before we get started talking about bodily autonomy and consent, Shada, I would love to hear your nanny journey. And I know that you shared it with us last time, but it's such a good one. I, I would love to hear it again. Thank you. <laughs> so, I started off a nanny. Um, so, I've been a nanny for 17 years. Um, and I started off when I was in my teens, started off as a babysitter, as most nannies do. Um, and I was a in a dance school at the time. So I was doing dance and drama and theatre and things like that. And I was my dance teacher's assistant. So I was teaching children and adults, you know, drama skills, dance skills and things like that. And through that, I, I started babysitting for some of the families. I was babysitting for my drama teacher in school. And then I got recommended to my first nanny position. It was for a single mother who um, had just gone through a divorce and she just needed a bit of help. So I kind of was more like a mother's help. And then I learned quite a lot of my skills from that position because it was a newborn. She was only a few weeks old. Um, and yeah, I was with them for a few years. And I that's kind of where I learned most of my nanny skills. And after that, you know, you do the 
qualifications and things like that. But yeah, that's how I started. So here I am now. Um, I am obviously an international nanny, a parent coach, sleep consultant, potty training specialist. I'm an entrepreneur, also nanny, a mentor, many nannies as well around the world. And I like to believe I'm a childcare expert as well. So <laughs> that's you where I are. Today. <laughs> it is very much not like to believe you very much are. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, I, you know, I do not have any children, but if I did, you would be very top of my list of nannies. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and I'm picky because I'm also an yeah. idiot. So. so am I. I'm very picky as well. And sometimes it's quite controversial saying this, but sometimes I, I don't know if I could have a nanny because I am a bit of a control freak when it comes to things that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would I would have to have a nanny like me. Right, <laughs> and right. And then I'll be able to relax. <laughs> yes, yes. One of my um, past guests, uh Colleen said the same thing except she thought it was going to be that and then she did have children and she was like actually you know once I found the right person I was able to really trust her yeah yeah it you know she was like but it took a while to find you know the right fit but once I found it it was great you have to go with your gut right Mm -hmm. like your instinct will tell you you know this person's right and and you feel it in your heart as well you know the person might be a really lovely person but are they the best fit for your child yes that's what I think I will base it on and because I know what it means to be an excellent nanny I will know straight away when a nanny comes in just by her her or his presence Mm -hmm. you know I'll be able to be like yeah this is the one (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Presence is so important. Um, love that. Well, thank you for sharing your journey. I, I just love it. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, let's, let's talk about teaching bodily autonomy and consent to kids. So I, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to talk about this is because this episode is going to be released on Valentine's day. And I, as I was thinking through, you know, what I wanted to do around Valentine's Day, you know, at first crafts came to mind and and things like that. And then I was like, you know, Valentine's Day is is this holiday about showing love for each other. And I think it's really, really important to talk about bodily autonomy and consent when we're talking about love. Yes. Um, and so, and I also think that a lot of times we don't trust kids <laughs> to understand these concepts, and yet they do. They 100% do. Yeah, they really do. They really do. Yeah, and so I, I think that um, a lot of people think, you know, you wait until the teen years to start talking about bodily autonomy and consent, and I it's just, that's just so backwards to me of like, no, you start in infancy. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Yeah. So can you talk about, yeah, like that beginning of life, what are some ways in in infancy that we can start teaching bodily autonomy and and consent? Perfect. So there's so many different ways. And I always like to speak from a place of um, experience what I've experienced, I never would advise people to do something that I've never tried or done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always try to advise things that work. So I give you an example, you know, part of us being nannies, we have to do bath time. 
with children. And I make a clear point never to touch the child's private area. They always do that. Um, even if it means that I show them, you know, get their hand and I say, put it here and this is what you have to do. Um, I show them in that way. So yesterday when I was, I was working with a two-year-old little boy and I was helping him wash himself down and then I gave him the sponge and I said, do you want to do your private parts? And he said, yes. And then I gave him the sponge and he was able to, you know, clean down there. (laughs) And I feel like giving him that choice is very important. And I think sometimes we forget these things as adults that children do have this, you know, governance over their own body. Um, But it's also really important we give them that choice to decide. And even when like I meet a new child, I go in for interview or a trial or, you know, I'm a temp nanny. So I um, go into homes and, some of the children have probably never seen me before, right? right? And so I ask for a high five. I would love to have a hug, but until the children feel comfortable with me, I will ask for a high five. And if they don't want to give me a high five, that's absolutely fine. But it's a way for me to, you know, as well teach them about they don't always have to say yes if they don't feel comfortable, mm-hmm. right? I grew up, obviously, I'm Jamaican, British Jamaican. So I grew up where um, manners is very important. And sometimes you you know, you get forced to say hello to people you don't want to say hello to or forced to hug, you know, elders that you don't really want to hug and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I make a big um, conscious choice to unlearn that behavior because if a child is showing you that they're uncomfortable, then you need to listen. Right. Um, and, and they don't always have to say it uh, verbally. They can show it in their body language. Some yeah. children are more shy than others as well. So, you know, you forcing the child to to do something they generally don't want to do in terms of their body, you know, even if it's shaking a hand or a high five, they might not want to do that to that person. Say, okay, that's fine. Maybe we could do a fist bump. If they don't want to do that, maybe we could do a wink together or, you know, different ways that you could go around it. Um, and I think it's just very important as well when we're teaching children about their body parts that we teach them the parts that are only for them to touch. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm very, very clear on that. Very, very clear. No one touches that area but you. Um, and I teach all my nanny children that. And if anyone ever touches that area, you let me know or you let mommy know or you let, you know, I let them know who they need to tell. Um, and I, I take that very, very seriously, especially when I'm teaching them about their body and different body parts. Yes, for sure. Yeah, that was, there was so much gold in there. So let's, let's go through it. Um, Sorry, I talk a lot and I talk fast. So if I'm going too fast, please say, Shada, wait, stop. <laughs> no, no, no. I loved, I loved all of that. And I totally agree. I, I was um, born and raised in um, the Southeast in Tennessee. And yeah. what you were saying about, your upbringing as a Jamaican is, is very similar, um, (laughs) to, yeah, yeah. In the Southeast, like being polite is very, very important. Um, and, and there is this hierarchy. So just being older gains you respect, which I, I've always kind of questioned. I'm like, no, there's also like needs to be actions and, (laughs) and things like that you know to to warrant respect um I don't I don't think just because you've gone around the sun a few more times on this big blue ball that you are (laughs) that you are worth more um but anyway I I I completely agree with you and and I I think about it this way 
when we ask children to ignore what they are feeling internally to make someone else comfortable, we are yeah. asking children to, to make this giant sacrifice for someone else's comfort. Um, yeah. And we're asking them to be like the bigger person. <laughs> we're asking for more emotional labor from children than we're willing to ask from the grandparent or the neighbor or the whoever is wanting some sign of affection from your child and that's not okay <laughs> yeah I I 100% agree and it, it's a thing of where a lot of um people don't think children have that uh, governance over their body and they generally do because you have to teach them that from early and that's what you're saying in infancy and you know um when they're younger in the early years it's important we teach them these things because it also shows god forbid anything bad was to happen to them in terms of you know abuse or someone trying to take um, advantage of them they know what's right and wrong right and sometimes yeah. some children won't know that if they if they haven't really been taught it you know, if they haven't been taught that this is my private area and it never gets touched or, you know, this is my body and I choose who touches this. And, you know, we have now, now that we're older, we have movements like the Me Too movement and things like that. And sometimes it just makes me wonder, is this a topic that we need to talk about more? Mm -hmm. um, not that, he, not to say that he, he would avoid those things happening because, you know, there is some unfortunately bad people in the world. Right. But, you know, it's, um, stats even show that like one in every I think three females are like or one in every what was it one in every yeah I think it's one else or victim to unwanted sexual contact before their 18th birthday right so for me that's quite alarming I'm like mm -hmm. wow that that's quite a lot because I know I know 20 people mm -hmm. and I know I know for females it's one in three so mm -hmm. If there was another person here, there's been at least one of us that have been through some form of unwanted sexual contact. And, and that could be in terms of, you know, when you're walking down the road, someone smacks, smacks your, your, your bum or, you know, <laughs> and that has happened before, by the way. So yes. I'm going to say that, that yeah. has happened before. And, and that is a form of, you know, sexual assault. But people wouldn't know that unless they're being taught that. Right? right and if you're when you're younger if we teach children about you know making sure that you are looking after your body and you're we teach them self-love this is a big thing I say I lead a nanny with love so I teach the children how to love themselves I love myself a lot when I was younger I didn't so much I had very low self-esteem but as I've got older I've learned that you know to love myself is so important and that's how why when I was younger I, I found it very difficult to set boundaries and I used to make people walk all over me. I didn't love myself. But the more I learned about loving myself and building up my self-esteem, boundaries were just automatically coming into place because now I'm like, I teach myself to love myself. So why am I going to teach someone else to come in and mistreat me? Um, it's not going to work. Now I'm like zero tolerance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really genuinely from when you know children are young, these things need to be taught. Right. Yeah. There's, um, there's a comedian named Daniel Sloss. Um, he's got a couple, uh, he's Scottish and he's got a couple, um, specials on Netflix. And in one yeah. of his specials, he talks about, he's like, you know, I was loving myself at like 10%. So yeah. all someone had to do 
was coming and love me at 15%. And I was like, oh my gosh, like they love me. <laughs> and, yeah. he like, and he was like, <laughs> you know, I figured out now I love myself at a hundred percent. So somebody's got to come in and love me more than that. Yeah. To be able to well, like be in my life. Yeah. Match it. Yeah. Match it. And you know, I love, like I said, I love myself a lot. It's taken many years to get me here. Same. But same here. Now I will not like you, if anyone comes into my life, you have to treat me as good as I treat myself or better, not less. Um, and these are things that, you know, we teach children these things from very young about loving themselves. And I do that through affirmations and you know looking in the mirror and saying something nice about yourself today or what you know focusing on your your um strengths and the things that you're really good at and you know seeing what your special superpower is there's some things that some people can do that they don't know anyone else that can do right me I have a I have very I'm extremely resilient like my resilience is one of my biggest strengths um and it's something that I sometimes don't fully understand but I love that I have it does that make sense yes, um, yes and I believe it's one of my gifts I feel like I have a few gifts but I feel like that's one of them um and so you know it's really important to teach children about these special gifts that they have that are unique to them and right. it really helps to build in their confidence and also you know teach them about loving themselves yeah and I, I'm curious with the affirmations have you found um like do you start by scaffolding them and like kind of helping coach what to say in the mirror? And then, yeah. And then say something good about themselves, what they like about themselves. Right. Right. Do you, do you, have you found that some kids struggle with that at first? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And that's why I ask because it's all about mindset. Right. And when you have a mindset shift, if you're naturally, not thinking about these things is also about being mindful teaching the children how to be mindful about how they feel about themselves and how they speak about themselves so I any children that I look after they're not allowed to say any bad things about themselves and if they do we can we can talk about it and we can co-sign up with something that you do that's good right. but I don't you know if I, I had I asked uh, my five-year-old the other day that I was looking after what do you like about yourself first I asked them what do they like about me what what's my best thing about Sharda mm-hmm. and then they would tell me something and I say can I say something that I like about you and then they would say okay and then I will tell them something that I like about them so I said to my nanny child I think you are extremely funny and you have a very good sense of humor Mm. And he was like, what's the sense of humor? And I said, the sense of humor, I explained it to him. And he's like, I agree. And I was like, what? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know, and, and it's because I've been with him since he was um, just uh, free. So I've been doing this with him from very young. And when I went to visit the other day to look after them, like ad hoc wise, um, these are things now that are instilled in them, you know, mm-hmm. these things that he, he now is aware of about himself. And I said, I also think you're an amazing at building Lego. You can build Lego so quick, quicker than anyone I've ever met. And he was like, you're really rubbish at Lego. And I was like, well, thank you. I don't know the, the affirmations are getting, you know, we're going a bit to the left. But um, <laughs> and that is true, you know, that is a weakness of mine, you know. So um, these are the children, you know, you, have, you can rely on them yeah. to be brutally honest, which is what I love. They don't sugarcoat Me anything. Um, I love that. I love it. Absolutely love it. So it's really important that, you know, eventually 
they start to think very positively about themselves. And this is things that they probably would never have done if you didn't speak to them about the, the good attributes, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I'm also curious if you have found that as they learn how to give themselves affirmations and, and find the, the things that they love about themselves, if you find that they start getting more specific. Yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> they yeah. say, I, I am very smart. I'm very good at this. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they read. And for me, I always co-sign it. Yes, you are. You mm-hmm. are very smart at that. Or you are very good at this. And, you know, children love that reassurance from an adult, especially an adult that they trust. Yeah. You know, so validation I've even had it before. So important. So, so we say that again? I didn't oh, so. validation is so yeah. important. Yes, it really, really is. So I definitely feel like it does help, you know, and for me, I find that affirmations are a bit harder with teenagers because, you know, we all go through that awkward stage, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in adolescence and, um, you know, we don't really know where we're going, what we are, what we're doing and stuff like that. But I feel like the younger you do it with children, the more effective it is. And that's why I'm very big on doing it from very early. And um, it's very important as well that, I teach them to find good in other people as well. So what right. is it that you like about someone else? What is it that you like about yourself? What do you what are you very good at? What are you not so good at? What do you think you could improve on? And it's just part of mixing mindfulness with, you know, with the um affirmations together. Yeah. Yeah, and and that is that's so important and and it helps give them, you know, this armor against someone coming in and tearing them down because there is definitely physical abuse, but there is also emotional and psychological abuse um, and verbal that, that, that is helping give them tools to resist. Right. Right. Like, no, that is a lie. What you just said about me (laughs) with the negative thing you just said about me is a lie. Yeah. And I think that that is a skill, like certainly I had to unlearn so many negative things uh, oh my that goodness, I, what did I? <laughs> yeah, that I took, you know, that were lies, but I took as truth and, um, and, and it's, it's hard. It's a lot of hard work. And I see so many of my friends, like we joke, you know, it's therapy thirties now of like. Every, oh you know, goodness. everyone's yes. going to therapy to unlearn. Everyone, our generation literally has to unlearn everything we were taught. Yeah. I agree. What was that saying? Can you say that again for me? Therapy 30s. Oh, I'm taking that. You're going to yes. have to change that. I'm using it. Therapy 30s. It's so true. <laughs> yes. Because uh, I, I mean, I do. I feel like almost all of my friends were all in therapy and we talk about, you know, yeah. oh, this is what I unlearned today. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so, yes, I think that that is is such a crucial and important part of helping give children this sense of self that cannot be messed with as easily. Yes. Um, I also, I, I, I love what you said about, you know, with young children, teaching them that they are in charge of their bodies. So I... I teach um, my children, one, I teach them, I use their name. So let's say we're talking about a Sally and I would say, Sally 
is in charge of Sally. (laughs) And so, and that helps in so many different areas, not only bodily autonomy and consent, but it also helps in like tattling and, um, you know, a lot of other, yeah, yeah. Discipline and all that, because it's Mm -hmm. like, well, it, it doesn't matter what Luke was doing. (laughs) Sally is in charge of Sally. Let's talk about Sally. My own mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, but I also teach them the phrase, my body, my choice. <laughs> yes. Um, and it is very, very funny to hear a toddler um, scream, my Say, body, my choice. My choice. <laughs> sometimes it well, backfires. <laughs> <laughs> because you're like out in public and you're like, okay, I need to hold your hand to cross the street. And they're like, my body, my choice. Yeah. And we... We certainly talk about how, you know, it is your body, your choice, but we also have to be safe. Yeah. Um, and so we, we have those deeper conversations, but sometimes things pop up when you're out in public and it, it, can, yeah. get, it can get wild. Um, but I think I would much rather have that incident happen and have a few people look at me strangely on the street than for that child to not understand the concept that they are in charge of their bodies and that we, we have to make safe choices for our bodies. And so sometimes that means we have to hold hands crossing the street or that, you know, if you are close to a hot stove, I have to pick you up and get you away. And then we can talk about it. There are safety comes first. Yes. Um, Always. Always. And, and I definitely talk about that, about how sometimes I can't give, I can't give a choice because I need to keep you, you safe. Um, but I also look for so many opportunities for bodily autonomy. So like you were saying about, you know, you offer a high five or I, I still, to this day, ask kids how they want to say hello or goodbye every day. Um, and it's different every day. There's sometimes that (laughs) they want, I had one former nanny kid that I would ask that and he would say 1 million kisses. (laughs) That's how he wanted to say goodbye. Um, and so, especially over the weekends when I would leave. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They know it's going to be a few days before you come back. Yeah. Um, and so, so, you know, it's, it's that to, Oh, I just want to wave because, you know, I'm invested in my magnetiles and I don't want to get up and give you a hug, which is fine. It's totally fine. Um, So I think, yeah, having having kind of a a list in your head of different ways that they can say goodbye. So it can you know, it can range from like a snuggly hug to a wave. Yeah. Um, And and I also think it's really great to create um your own sometimes your own like kind of almost language around it so yeah, like a little greeting that you do just yeah. you and your nanny child do yeah yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah we'll do um we'll do elbow bumps a lot and we call them fin bumps yeah um things like that so you know because yeah. we've pretended to be sharks or dolphins or whatever that day and so we're like yeah. fin bump <laughs> that's proper cool in Jamaica we have like a touch it's called touch it's just if you were to get your hand and just put it into your uh, how how would you just put your ball in like a ball of fist mm-hmm. your fist into a ball and then you nudge each other together so it's like a hand touch 
Mm. I don't know how to explain it over the podcast. Is it get, like a fist wide bump? Open. Yeah, so it's like you call it a fist bump, but in Jamaica we say touch. Oh, love it. Yeah, it's because touch. So you would just nudge the person, and it's just like a re- sign of respect, like wagwan means like you know hi how are you so you you touch them as you say like wagwan so I sometimes teach that greeting to my nanny children the parents crack up you know yes. <laughs> I'm always teaching them little little um Jamaican sayings and they and they find it hilarious yeah <laughs> but I love that because that that is a special thing between you and the nanny child and like yeah you're sharing your culture and they are, you know, learning about yeah. your culture and it's lovely. They find it hilarious. They love it. They always say, how do you say hello in Jamaican? How do you say bye in Jamaican? And I'm like, there's not actual way, <laughs> but I teach them little ways. So sometimes they like to do it and I'm like, wow, go on and I do it with them and they find it so funny. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think giving that space uh, is so important. And I think throughout the day, there's other opportunities. So even with babies, and and we talked about this on the Rye episode, but even with babies, just telling them what you're doing <laughs> um, yeah. as you're doing it. So when you're changing yeah. their diaper, talking to them about it really helps set them up for later, understanding that that is the level. <laughs> if somebody is yeah. going to be touching your body, they need to also be communicating with you about how they're touching your body. Definitely. Some people think they hear that and be like, what? But it's a baby. They understand because when you say to a baby, we're going to get up and we're going to go do this, then we're going to go do this, and then we're going to do this. You trust me, that baby understands. Mm-hmm. I, if you do that every single morning, it's a routine, it's a structure that the child has become accustomed to. So I totally agree. We're going to change your nappy now. So we're going to go get the whites. And I'm constantly talking to the children that I look after, no matter how young they are. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why the youngest child that I looked after for the last two years, his speech is like so advanced because mm-hmm. even sometimes I know his dad used to be in the room opposite and he used to hear and sometimes he'd come in and he'd be like, sometimes I wonder who you're talking to in here. And I'm like, I'm talking to him. <laughs> but he's like, you talk like you talk to him. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. I talk, have a proper conversation with him and I let him know. Um, and, you know, some parents think it's quite strange, but some absolutely love it. And you find that children genuinely understand. So I am very big on that as well, especially with babies saying, we're going to do this now, or this is what we're about to do and just prepping them before it happens. Right. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I try to, if, if a baby is invested in something, um, I try to not just pick them up. You know, I try to like, either if they're, you can tell when even a baby is in like that zone of play, right? Yeah. Where they're in yeah. that zone, they're focused on something. And so I really try to unless I have to break it, I, I try to let it ride until they're done with whatever yeah. they're processing at the moment. Um, but I definitely don't just pick them up and take them out of it. I like yeah. get down with them on their level and like, look at it too for a minute and, you know, maybe do some sports casting about what I'm seeing of like, Oh, I see you opened the lid or whatever they're doing. <laughs> um, and, and then I say, okay, now it's, you know, it's time for your bottle or your nap or whatever. And then, and then I pick them up, but 
that time is so important um, because if you're if you're in the middle of something and invested and somebody just like a giant just came and picked you up, can you imagine how mad that would make you? Yeah, I'd be furious and I can't walk or talk either. <laughs> and yeah, I can't do anything like, about it. It's even ruin my fun. right right and so I just think like thinking about it from the point of view of the child can make all the difference in how respectful you're being definitely and I wanted to add to that as well in Mm -hmm. terms of even children's spaces this is one of the things I learned in my master's degree which I thought was absolutely amazing so I did a master's in childhood studies and early years and we did a um, module on play and it just made me think about you know children having governance over their space as well Mm -hmm. and it was saying if a child is as created a space so for instance you know sometimes children create dens right right and they create these small spaces play spaces for themselves to fit in be very mindful of your as a as an adult be very mindful of your position in that play because it sometimes could be that, you know, I see a child build a tent and they go in there and they're playing very nicely. And I just, well, not that I would, but I just rush into this tent with them and sit with them. And I'm like, I've not even asked them permission to be in their right. space, you know? And I understand that in an open space, it's fine. But if they're, if you see that your child is confined to a space and they're, they're quite comfortable doing what they're doing, ask for permission. Can I come in? Or, you know, am I allowed to yeah. come in? Are adults allowed in the tent? And a lot of the time they'll be like, no. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but let me know. You know, or is there anything I could bring you? In? And then, you know, you can join in with the play. But it's just very important to be mindful of your position in that. And when you mentioned about, you know, um, the baby playing and not just picking the baby up, that's, a, I think, similar to what I'm saying, but for yes. more of a toddler or, you know, an older child. Um, I think it's very important. It made me think, like, and then I started thinking, have I ever interrupted a child's space? Like I started, <laughs> and now I'm like extra cautious. Like I make sure I'm so mindful about it. And, you know, if a child is playing or, you know, the the in the bath and, the, and they're cleaning themselves or they're playing, I allow them to just do it. And I, I sit and I wait and I'm like, do you want me to, to help you or do you need any help? Like being there for assistance, but not over taking over right. in a way, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. I I will say with the small spaces, I have the opposite problem of um, them saying no. They often invite me into their tiny spaces yeah. and I yeah. have to tell them like, I literally like, <laughs> I cannot yeah, fit in there. I'm like, I'll put, <laughs> I'll put half of my body in there. <laughs> but leg or toe. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I would love to join you in that space, but then you won't have any room to play because right. I- my my bum will take up half of the space anyway. I say that to them all the time. Yes. Child is too big. I can't fit in there, my lovely. My fire alone will take up all the space. Yeah, like, you can fit. You can fit. I'm like, and I'm in there and squashed, and my legs are, you know, my knees are to my head, and I'm like sitting in there, and I'm like, oh, this is fun. Not right. Which brings me to another point of I I think modeling your own bodily autonomy is really important as well so if you are if you do not want a child in your lap for whatever reason there are times that 
I'm like really warm, you know, like right after we've gone outside, it's been so cold in Chicago that, you know, you're bundled up and then you come back inside into the warm house and the adjustment in temperature. And I just am so hot. And if a child wants to sit in my lap right then, I really struggle with that. And I have told children before, you know, I, I, I don't want you in my lap right now. I'm feeling really, really warm, but how about you sit right next to me and we'll read a book together or yeah. offering another way of connecting, but yeah, alternative. yeah, I'm, I'm in charge of my body and my body is not comfortable with this right now. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Um, and you know, funny enough, I had to have this conversation with my nanny boys that are two and five because they do this thing, which is, you know, for them, it's very innocent, but I had to teach them just in case, because they go to school, they go to nursery. They, they do this thing where they slap my bum a lot. Mm. And I had to have a conversation with them and say, you know what? It's like, we can't just slap people's bums, okay? And they're like, why not? Like, they just didn't get it. And me and their mom had to have this conversation with them because it's, it, it was about teaching them about different people's bodies. One, it actually really hurts because it generally did yeah. <laughs> also, you know, if they go out to nursery and think they could slap a little girl's bum or a little boy's bum, like it's not okay. So I had to, I know it's very innocent, but at the same time, you need to have these conversations because they don't know if if someone was to do that to them, if it would be okay or not, you know. And children, right. you know, children play sometimes, you know, um, they want to give you a kiss or they want to give you a hug and stuff like that. And that's absolutely fine. But things like, you know, children play little silly games smacking each other's bum or you know kiss chase that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm just like as well like I remember in school play boys playing kiss chase and I, I'm absolutely hating it like what is this don't kiss me I don't like this you know right. but these are the little games that obviously now obviously we don't play those things but um <laughs> these are the things that we need to you know have a conversation about I've had it before where nanny child has said yeah we played kiss chase today in the, in the in the playground and I'm like whoa okay we need to have a conversation about this uh I don't know if that's it in America do you guys have that or is it yeah it's okay, it's usually do. called like cooties like uh, giving cuties or something like that. Like okay. we don't. Yeah, kiss chase. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. I feel like kiss chase is a better name for it. But yeah, <laughs> literally. And I remember doing that as a as a child and just feeling really uncomfortable. Yeah, like I'm not liking it at all. I didn't, you know, when you're young, you're like boys. Eh, I don't like them. So, you know, you like right. that. But um, yeah, it's it's these are the conversations we need to have because, like I said, it was very innocent, but slapping someone's bum is not okay um, right. and if they don't learn that from early then you know it could it could escalate to other things and teaching about the nuance of different relationships show affection in different ways there so you go. while you are fine with them doing that and and maybe maybe you're not and then that's a different conversation but if that is part of your your way of engaging and playing with them then then great but yes, saying that this is not a universal thing. Yeah. Like when you're out of the house, you can't do that. You right. know, at home, that's a way that we show love to each other mm-hmm. and things like that. But when you're out of the home, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, at the moment, my nanny boys are really into licking. So they, they, <laughs> they say, oh my goodness, they lick my face. Like, I, 
I was just like, guys, and I, I, I let them, you know, I'm like, okay, listen, you only do this with us, okay? And right. I let them mom and dad know. They, they've licked my face. I've taught them, like, they can't go and just lick random people's faces. <laughs> but they, this is something they've done from, like, really, really young. And I'm just like, they're not. That's just, I think, just their way of showing love. They just, they pretend like they're going to give you a kiss and they cheat and then they will lick you. And they think it's hilarious because obviously your cheek's wet now and you're like, ugh. Right. So I think, yeah, these, these are little ways that, you know, what's okay at home and what's not okay when you come out of the house. Yes, yes. I, I also wanted to say, because when you were talking about the kiss chase game, that you felt uncomfortable. So yeah. I think that a really important aspect of this as well is teaching kids to listen to that feeling and yes. that it's okay to say, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm not going to do this. But sometimes they won't know that it's an uncomfortable feeling. They might just say, no, no. But you can talk to them about that feeling. If it right. doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. if you, you're not happy with it, then, you know, you can tell a teacher or, you know, you can tell me or your mom or, you know, or your dad. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, because, uh, yes, I think that we do have to teach that step of like, okay, my intuition, my inner self is saying whoa, 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 this is not okay. So what do I do about that? And I think that that was the step that got missed in the millennial generation. Of like, (laughs) if you feel uncomfortable, the solution that seemed to be presented by culture widely was ignore it. Um, (laughs) And and I'm I'm hopeful. Don't say anything, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, don't say anything. And, and I, I'm hopeful that this next generation is already, I mean. They're a lot more vocal than us. They are. They are. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my 30s. Are you, are you in my yeah. age range? Yeah, okay, I'm you are. 33. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're a lot more vocal, I think. Um, a lot more vocal. And, and they've been brought up on social media, which means they've been exposed to certain things a lot younger than... Mm they should sometimes like you know when we grew up literally playing outside was like the thing to do and you know not having a phone knocking literally going to your friend's house and knocking the door and hoping they can come out hope you know hoping that they're indoors because you never had a phone to call them to see if they're home before you got there and you know so we've we've been brought up very different to this generation so I think they're, they're, they're definitely a lot more I don't know if I should say this but they're a lot more attention seeking so I feel like they speak up more, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, their, their voice. They're, they're using their voices, and, and yeah. I think that you know we've seen some ways that that has manifested really well, and some that is are more problematic, and yeah, we can negotiate that as we go. But I am excited that the movement is more towards saying it out loud because you know calling them out. Yeah, yeah calling it out, saying it, and. Because like Brene Brown talks all the time about shame. Once you start talking about your shame, it diminishes it. Yeah. No one can hold it against you. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, naming it to tame it and all that good stuff, just talking about it is huge. Yeah. And, And so I think having these really nuanced conversations with older kids is a 
is a very, very important part of that. Or even with younger kids, you know, like you were saying about like, this is okay behavior in the home, but outside of the home, this is not okay behavior, things like that. And even then you have to be careful because some, a lot of uh, sexual abuse does happen from, you know, the home. In the home, right. You have to say, you have to be very careful with your wording as well. Yeah. Even though I say, I say, this is okay if you want to do this with Shada, mommy and daddy are okay with you doing this with Shada. But if someone else does it with you, you need to speak up, you know. So obviously everyone's going to have different relationships with different people. So it's really important to be mindful of the language that we use as well. Yeah. And I I think that that brings up a good point about this shift away. And there is an episode from way back called Keeping Kids Safe that talks about some of this stuff too, um, which I'll link down in the show notes just in case anyone wants more information. But that we moved away from stranger danger more towards tricky people. So now we talk about like an adult should never ask you to keep a secret from your parents, from your trusted grownups. There should never be an adult in your life that, that wants you to keep a secret and let, you know, and then you can talk about like, okay, a birthday gift is a surprise. A surprise is different than a secret. A surprise is you will tell them at a certain point um, that is near in the future Um, versus a secret, which the point is that you will never say it. And that's not okay. Um, And then also an adult should never need your assistance. They should ask another adult. So like an adult asking to help find their dog or help find a a restaurant around or, or anything like that, an adult should never be asking a child. And saying that to your kids can help them be like, okay, you need to go ask a grown up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Instead and of just going. Of playing a game you hear that a lot it's a game it's just a game um when I was doing my my training and we were talking about um different ways that you know um children deal with abuse especially sexual abuse sometimes the way the the predator um makes them believe or things that they say is it's a game Right, and right. children like to play, right? So when you say it's a game, the child thinks there's nothing of it. It's not then until um, there was a case study where a little girl had, uh, you know, um, re- kind of replicated what was happening to her with another child, and she was like saying to the child, oh. "It's okay, it's just a game. It's okay, it's just a game." So these are there's different ways of explaining to them what is a game. If you're playing a game and you don't know what's going on. That's not a game. Right, right. Yeah. Everyone yeah. in this game needs to know what's going on. And everyone in this game needs to agree with being a part of the game. Right? Right. So there's ways and to- if you're if you want out of the game, you should be able to leave the game at any time. There you go. You can change your mind at any time. Consent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, yes. And that's, that's another really important part of this is that teaching about what consent means and that your consent can be revoked. And that's okay. At any time. You can change your mind at any time. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no. And another, another thing, you know, we talked kind of at the beginning of this episode about um, teaching about 
body parts and things like that. And I think teaching children the proper name for body parts and using the proper name is also really, really important. We have this tendency to nickname penises and vaginas as different things. And I'm Um, guilty of that too. Yeah, because it it feels uncomfortable. I normally go with what the child has said. So if the child says, this is my winky, then I'm like, because that's how, that's the language that they've used, right? Right. And my nanny boys say they're winky a lot. And I say, I'll say to them, do you know what the real name is for your winky? Mm-hmm. And then they say, no. And I say, this is the real name, but you can call it a winky if you want, because that's the language they've given me. But right. I also want them to be aware of what, what the real name is, right? But that's something I have been guilty of in the past as well. So. I'll yeah. And that. And I, I, I struggle with that as well. Most of my nanny families have, have used the, the proper names, um, in the past, but yes, if, if you're working with a nanny family that does use, um, nicknames for body parts, I would say that, you know, you know, your situation, you know, your nanny family, but it might be worth bringing up to the parents why teaching the proper names is important. important. Yeah. Um, and, and this, this story I read online, I, there's no way to fact check it. And so I think we can treat it as a fable kind of, and just take the, the information from it that we need. Um, but I, I read this story online about a child who their family called her vagina, her cookie. Um, and so she was telling her parents my uncle eat like he ate my cookie and she was like mad about it. Um, and they misunderstood and thought that he had eaten like an actual cookie cookie. and they were like, Oh, well you can just get another one (laughs) Um, and things like that. And so when we use these, you know, other terms, these nicknames, it gets really confusing. But if she had said, my uncle ate my vagina, like that is very different. Yes, very, very different. Uh, it makes me even feel sick the thought of it. Um, I just, I just, I don't know how people can harm children personally. I don't know I how don't people can either. harm other humans, but just children, just, just, they're just so innocent and they're just so lovely. And I'm just like, how, how in your right mind but this is this is why it's so important that we teach children about consent and we teach them about their bodies and what's okay and what's not okay and you know making sure that they can change their mind at any time like you said and I'm just hoping that more the more we can teach this to children the the more chance they have of of not being caught in a vulnerable situation or a tricky situation where they don't know what's going on and they can't speak up Right. I'm just hoping. My, that's my biggest fear. So I always make sure that I'm very aware, like when it comes to their body um, and even how they look at themselves and how they look at their own body. Um, because if they treat their body with respect, which I always teach, make sure you treat yourself and your body with respect and love. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, you're going to damage yourself, then what's to say that they're not going to go out there and try and damage someone else's body or, you know, violate someone else's body. So it really does really come down to as well self-love and teaching children how to love themselves um so yeah that that would be my take on that yes and and I I completely agree one more aspect of this that I I would love to discuss is 
I, I do think we have this tendency when we talk about consent and bodily autonomy to do it differently with boys and girls. Um, and I, I think that there are some aspects that maybe we could talk about differently, but overall it should be pretty much the same conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no matter the, the gender that your child, you know, is. Um, and so, and, and I, I also, you know, we, we are, we are working our way towards a much, um, fuller view of what gender means in general, um, which is lovely. And, and we, I think that that is helpful in this conversation as well. Um, that gender is a construct and all of that, but, um, but yeah, I do think that when we, we decide to talk differently about it based on gender, that gets into dangerous territory as well. So just be cautious about that. Yeah. Really think about how uh, the messages that you're sending, <laughs> yeah. depend, you know, they, they should be almost identical that on both sides of it, that, that yeah. boys have bodily autonomy, girls have bodily autonomy, and we all need to be both listening to our inner voices, our inner lives, our intuition, but we also need to all be respectful of other people's bodily autonomy too. Most definitely. So. Could agree more. <laughs> <laughs> well, lovely. Um, is there anything else that that you'd like to talk about? No, I feel like we covered quite a lot. <laughs> Me too. Me too. That was a, a great Valentine's episode. So yeah, I just think that you know, like, let's do the cookies and the treats and the you know stickers and Valentines and all of that. But let's also redouble our focus on on teaching bodily autonomy and consent because it's it's Most definitely really going to change the world do you celebrate um valentine i i do like i said se- i actually celebrate more like galentine's day or Valentine's okay. day all right <laughs> yeah i sent out a several like you know little silly middle school type valentines this year usually yeah, i would so deliver sweet. them in, in person but this year they had to be mailed and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really a fan of Valentine's, but I'm a very, very big fan of spreading love. Yes. So yeah, I'm all for spreading love, but I, I'm not, I think we should do it every day, not just one day of the year. Agreed. Completely <laughs> agreed. But yeah. Um, well, wonderful. Well, um, Shada, where can people find out more about you and how, how to get in contact with you? Okay, so they can find me via my website, which is nannyshars.com. That's N-A-N-N-Y-S-H-A-R-Z.com, nannyshars.com. And they can find me on social media platforms. So I'm on Instagram and I'm on YouTube and I'm on Twitter at Nanny Shards. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn at Sharda Lambert and I'm on Facebook at Nanny Shards Official. Lovely. Um, yeah. And listeners, <laughs> Shada is like so delightful. So <laughs> yeah. So I, I just encourage you, you know, if, if you are like, I want to reach out, but 
whatever the end of that but is no feel um, me don't just please. do it just do yes. it send me a dm <laughs> on any of the platform i'm mostly active on instagram and um, i also offer mentoring for nannies so please feel free to have a look at my mentoring packages on my website or send me a message um i am an open book i will reply to every single message that is sent to me so don't feel like you know oh my god i can't message her no 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 no, no. you message me okay yes. <laughs> it might be a bit of a time difference if you're not in the uk but i will always get back to you um and if i don't my pa will definitely notify me that i haven't so lovely <laughs> I definitely will love that accountability Okay. Wonderful. Well, go look up Nanny Shars, get on her wavelength because it's great. Um, and then we end each episode with a cute, funny story and Shada has brought one. Yeah. So I was looking after my nieces and nephews the other day and I happened to overhear them having a conversation and they were sitting there and they said, oh yeah, well, I'm going to ask Aunt Sharda to get me this and I'm going to ask Aunt Sharda to get me this. And I could hear them and I was thinking, where are they going with all these expensive gifts? And then one of them was like, well, I can ask Aunt Sharda to get me this because she's rich. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? And then another one was like, I know, because she went to the machine in the wall and it gave her loads of money. <laughs> and I was making children crack me up. Bless them, only they knew. They thought that I go to the wall and I just get money from this wall but they don't know it's a cash point which you guys call an atm we do we do oh my gosh that's so funny oh, it's so cute and i was just laughing i didn't even interrupt i just listened to it. i didn't have a room but i could hear them and i was cracking up and i actually called my mom like mom you never guess what but yeah that was my funny story of the week <laughs> so great i love that too of like a kid yeah I mean like that makes sense they're like oh she can go to this wall and it just gives her money money I'm like manifest that for me guys manifest (laughs) for me please (laughs) yes yes oh that's great thank you so much for sharing (laughs) okay (laughs) and thank you for spending time with us today I really really appreciate you taking the time you're most welcome it's such a pleasure always coming on second time I feel really honored I'm like woohoo yes and I am very serious when I say it will not be the last because I love chatting with you thank you so much (laughs) and thank you all for listening we'll see you next week take care bye the chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler artwork by Noni Blastodon theme music by Brad Kemp find him at secondbedroomstudios.com Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market